And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, back with you. Hour number two of the show as we're brought to you by our good friends at PT's. I interviewed Coach Rich Passaccia earlier today. You'll hear that tomorrow. You'll catch it on the Silver and Black Show this weekend. As we try to get through all this and get ready for this game coming up against the Denver Broncos, I'm really excited and thrilled to talk to Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. As I said, he's been the lead on this, looking at this story, trying to find more and more information nationally. Mike, good to talk to you again, and I just want to begin by saying great work on this story since I watched you Monday morning with Chris Sims, and I want to begin by asking you, when did you think after the first email about DeMora Smith broke that this story would pick up steam and more and more emails would come? Well, the first time it dawned on me was on Monday night when you're getting ready to watch the game, and I checked in with my staff at PFT to see if there had been any developments throughout the course of the day because the Monday of any week of the season is a pinball machine of activity and news and reaction to the games that were. And it was around 7.30 Eastern-ish that I asked the staff, hey, have you seen anything? They said, no, not anything. So I pulled up ESPN and started to cycle through the countdown show until I got to the segment on Gruden and Adam Schefter was speaking in kind of vague terms, but also very telling terms that the league had sent more materials on Monday to the Raiders and that the league wanted the Raiders to deal with the situation. And that meshed with everything I had heard on Sunday, the league wasn't going to suspend John Gruden and that if anything was going to happen, it was going to happen with the Raiders. And then as I was, gathering my thoughts on what Schefter said, that's when the New York Times story dropped. When the New York Times story hit and I started to scroll through it and see what those other emails were, that's when I knew it was over. And what amazed me about all of it, JT, is the fact that John Gruden had to have known those other emails were out there. Once he learns of one, he has to start scanning his brain and realizing that there's others, they'll have them, and that they're not going to stay buried 300 feet below the earth in, you know, a a nuclear sarcophagus that they're going to come out to. And the fact that he didn't choose to walk away before Monday night when the rest came out is stunning to me because he could have avoided the rest of them coming out. But once they came out, that's when I knew it was over. Mike Florio is our guest, Pro Football Talk. So, Mike, the big story now moves forward to the leak emails and the NFL denying the leak, or does the NFL now have to be really worried that individuals like yourself and those with law degrees are looking at this and saying, wait a second, how did the one email get leaked? And then all of a sudden, the games are played, we're going into the big brand Monday Night Football, and more and more are leaked by the New York Times, we're involved with the Wall Street Journal. What does that say about trying to uncover who was leaking these emails? Well, let me tell you what my experience was with this and it meshes with other things that have come up over the years the league follows what i say and what i write very carefully and they know how to find me when i write or say something they don't they know how to find people at nbc when i write or say something that they don't like i was outspoken from the get-go that the league leaked these 
that the league had them and that someone from the league leaked them. Every indication, every ounce of common sense pointed in that direction. I was asking someone from the league on Tuesday a follow-up question unrelated to the leak, something else on the issue of the emails. And the spokesman with the league, Brian McCarthy, responded to my question and said, oh, by the way, despite what you've been claiming, we didn't leak the emails. And he was on the record because his next email made it clear that that part was on the record. And I was stunned because it's like, you've heard what I've been saying and you've seen what I've been writing. Why do I not hear that full-throated denial from you affirmatively? Why is it an, oh, by the way, pin the tail on the donkey edition to a separate question that I'm asking you? And I eventually left the conversation with this question. If you didn't leak it, are you investigating who did? And that was Tuesday at around 5 Eastern, and he's never responded to that email. Not once. Because I look at it this way, JT. This was either done deliberately or without authorization. And if someone leaked these emails to the media, setting the events in motion that took down one of the 32 head coaches in the NFL, the league should be alarmed, dismayed, and motivated to find out who did it because somebody broke protocol, somebody violated policy, somebody did something for which they should be fired. And I don't know whether they're embarrassed or what, but I think they leaked it. And regardless of who actually gave the first Street Journal or the rest of the New York Times, they set this process in motion by dipping into the 650,000 emails, pulling out five, ten, however many about John Gruden, and sending them to the Raiders. That happened before anything was leaked. The leak came after the NFL decided to tattle on John Gruden by sending this packet to Mark Davis and basically saying, what are you going to do about this? Mike Florio joins us. So that really puts the NFL, as we speak, in a really tough spot because they're aware of this now, Mike, not only from you and other reputable outlets, but fans are saying, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. There's 650,000 emails. We understand that Coach Gruden's done. You can't walk that back. That is, that is just awful what he said, and we're beyond that. But we look back at the league and the denial about the leaks and now wondering who would do this. So from Mark Davis and John Gruden to the rest of the league, to all the other coaches, to the other owners, what are you suggesting other owners could be thinking about right now, knowing that this could be you know, a can of worms, this could be the Pandora's box, the fact that the NFL would deny leaking this when it obviously looks like they did? Well, I remember hearing from time to time when I was growing up, and even more recently, the general phrase when there's some awesome power that's been discovered, we can't let this fall into the wrong hands. There's an awesome power that's out there in those 650,000 documents, and it's already in the wrong hands because of how it's been utilized to take down John Gruden. This is not a defense of John Gruden. But what someone can do because someone already has done is this. Cross-reference your enemies list with that database of emails. And we don't know and won't know until they're all out in the open. That's what's so dangerous about it. We don't know if and when they get sufficiently upset with someone who happens to have corresponded with Bruce Allen, 
who happens to have used language that would be offensive, derogatory, and the kind of thing that would cause someone to lose their jobs. And they mobilize against that person. Whoever did this, whoever decided that, hey, we're not going to release any of this information to the public that we obtained through the Washington football team investigation, and that was to protect Daniel Snyder and, in turn, his partners from ever being in a similar situation. So we are going to bury all of this. But you know what? If there's ever somebody that we don't like and there's evidence that they did something they shouldn't have done, we're going to reserve the right to carve off a little piece here and a little piece there and go after these people individually. That, to me, is terrifying. And it gets to the point, JT, where after what's happened to Gruden, you know, you may have a coach somewhere who just abruptly resigns at the end of the season or a GM who takes early retirement. And we'll never know why. Well, why? Well, pursue another interest, sir. I'm going to spend time with my family or I'm getting into broadcasting or whatever because they now have the ability to go to someone else with a packet of emails. Here you go. Take a look at this. You don't have to say anything because we all all saw what happened with Gruden. That's, to me, why all of this stuff needs to be out in the open because no one should have that power. And I understand that by dumping it all, you can end up, getting a lot of people in trouble and a lot of people quote unquote canceled rightly or wrongly. And in Gruden's case, it was rightly, but that's better than having someone with their finger on the trigger of this power to pick and choose who they're going to bring down and who they're going to let continue in the event that there are who knows how many, we just don't know. That's what makes this so difficult until we see it. We don't know, but there's probably a good chance there's other people who, if it was all out in the open, would have met the same kind of end as John Gruden. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. So, Mike, legally, how does this Washington football team case open again once it was closed with that minuscule fine to Dan Snyder, his wife, running operations, a slap on the wrist? What is it going to take legally with your law background that says that the NFL down the road is in no other position? They have to be full, fully transparent. They must open up this case again so everybody can see the results well the easiest way to at least begin the process of inching this information toward the public domain would be to have one of these former washington employees who was harassed discriminated against whatever have one of those people file a lawsuit then they would be entitled to the entire trove of documents most likely in the confines of civil litigation but there would be protective orders and that information wouldn't come out at all until trial at the earliest when it would be conducted in open court and documents used as exhibits would be available. And that would be months down the road and a settlement would end all of that immediately. So that's one way for some of them to get out there. Now I've been trying to brainstorm and I know that there are others out there with the time and the resources and the motivation to do this who are in a better position than me to accomplish this end. What are the different ways that the legal system could be used to get at these documents? And one idea I had, and I know that there are people looking into this, because so many stadiums out there are publicly funded, maybe in one of the states where the NFL does business, the Freedom of Information Act is written broadly enough that the receipt of those public funds, the workplace being a public place of business, that that could transform the team into the kind of public entity that would have to turn over for public inspection any and all emails 
sent and received on their server, an aggressive argument, and you'd have to find the right law in the right state to make it happen. But people are looking into that. And it could also become relevant in other harassment discrimination cases. And, and I think there's an argument that the mere existence of the Gruden emails is sufficient proof to justify, under whatever the legal theory would be, to justify some type of litigation that would entail exposure of these items. But, you know, it's one thing to have litigation that gets to the items, that the purpose is making them public. In any type of workplace harassment case, like I said earlier, those things become fair in discovery, in in the things that the parties exchange before trial, but they'll be subject to a protective order. So what, what we need to make a long story bearable, what we need to have happen is someone to come up with a way to make the argument that an NFL team in a publicly funded stadium is sufficiently public to be to the Freedom of Information Act in one of the states where the NFL does business. Wrapping it up with Mike Florio. Mike, on a personal note, how do you feel about the aggressiveness in a good way with all your reporting, your relationship with the league? I mean, you're on Sunday Night Football, the biggest brand, the highest rated show. You're reporting on this. The NFL knows you're talking about this. It feels like a movie, All the President's Men. You're the one guy there, you know, talking to Deep Throat or trying to talk to this source about something you know is making the league office very uncomfortable. They're making mistakes talking to you, as you said. There's more coming to the story. When you get up every day and investigate this story, how do you feel about that going forward? Well, the, the easy explanation is I'm too old to give a crap. <laughs> and that's true. And when I, when I feel like what I'm doing is the right thing and, and, and I'm pushing something that needs to be pushed, I never worry about those kinds of things. It's, it hasn't brought me down when I've done it before. And secondly, NBC is very supportive uh, and, and uh, of, of everything I do. They understand that we rattle the cage. They understand that we, that we ask the tough questions. We understand that we aren't bought and paid for. Like, and, you know, it makes people mad when I say this, but every reporter who works at NFL Network is getting a paycheck signed by Roger Goodell. I mean, what the hell do you expect them to do when it hits the fan in a situation like this? They're not going to push back or they're going to be gone. And it's, you know... And people kind of shrug at that because what do you expect? You're working for the the very company that you're trying to to put in a bad spot. So I I, I don't worry about it. I don't think about it. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. I also don't hold out a lot of hope that at the end of the day this is going to be successful. So maybe, maybe I shouldn't be dancing so close to the fire on something that isn't going to have a payoff because I, I, I'd be surprised if we get this information. But I'm encouraged by the fact that so many people seem to understand that this information needs to come out and that, that, that are able to compartmentalize the fact that what John Gruden did is wrong with the fact that what happened to him is unfair because there are others out there who should receive similar treatment. But because the NFL is hiding all of this, and it starts with Daniel Snyder, frankly, because the NFL is hiding all of this, we don't have a fair outcome with everyone being held accountable for whatever may be in those 650,000 emails. Mike, last one. Uh, this one's close to us here in Vegas. What do you say to the Raider fans or everybody who's saying the Raiders weren't involved in this Washington football team cultural uh, investigation? And all of a sudden, Mark Davis is in this situation right now. No one's defending what John Gruden said. No one would. But you look at the one team 
the team that goes back to Al Davis, now Mark Davis, in a brand-new market in Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. Everything seems to be off to a good start here. There's been other issues behind the scenes. There's been staff shakeups and other things that have happened in the last couple of months. But Raider fans can't believe that this didn't come off a Raider server or this wasn't a Raider issue in-house. It goes all the way back to the Washington football team, and now this team is breaking in an interim head coach to go play Denver, and Raider fans want real answers on how these emails were leaked. Well, demand the answers. Raiders fans should feel frustrated. They should feel like what happened to their team is unfair, that other teams should be potentially disrupted and distracted by people being held accountable for things that they did, that but for the discretion of whoever decided to target Gruden and no one else, these other teams would be dealing with these issues. And I will say this: there's two categories of emails that could be out there still that we obviously won't know about now that Gruden has walked away. And I think what the NFL was going to do was continue to leak more and more of these emails until Gruden was fired or until he quit. But you mentioned that none of these emails came from a Raiders server. Well, none of the emails we've seen have come from a Raiders server. But Gruden and Allen were friends and still are. And Gruden went back to the Raiders early 2018, and Allen was with Washington until December 31 of 2019. There's a two-year overlap where it's entirely possible Gruden was sending more emails on a Raiders server, and the NFL held them back because – that would have embarrassed Mark Davis if that would have come out. And also the other category here that I'm very curious about that we haven't seen, when you consider the acid tongue that John Gruden has, the take-no-prisoners mindset when it comes to denigrating anyone and everyone, he's like that high school bully that never got his comeuppance and eventually did at age 58. How many times do you make fun of Mark Davis in emails he sent to Bruce Allen? What's he said about Mark Davis back when he wasn't working for Mark Davis, before Mark Davis offered to pay him $100 million over 10 years? What's he really think of Mark Davis, a guy he would have known something of from his first time with the Raiders? And if those don't come out, those don't embarrass Mark Davis. This is all part of the leverage to get the Raiders to do what the league wanted because you hold those back, you keep those in the 650000 document vault, and you don't use them until you have to. And – you know, as a practical matter, if you, if, you, if you put those out later, then it makes Mark Davis look bad, and maybe that's one of the things the league was trying to do to get Davis to move on from Gruden. Because I don't think, based on what Mark Davis said on Wednesday, mm-hmm. I think he did not want to move on from Gruden, and I think he's mad about way the, the way this was all handled, and he has every right to feel that way, while also still believing that what John Gruden did was wrong. Thanks, Mike. Really good reporting. Really appreciate you making time for us. Thank you so much. Sure thing, man. See you. Take care. Mike Florio. Pro football talk. A lot there. A lot to unpack. And Mike's all over those 650,000 emails uh, on a bigger, broader picture. You know, this affects the Raiders and the resignation of John Gruden and a real big story, how it affects one team, a coaching staff, and all that. But I'll tell you, Mike Florio has got some guts doing this. I'm just interviewing him because it's a big, big news story, and he was willing to come on, and that's my job. But for Mike Florio to be on Sunday Night Football and to have the business model that he has, doesn't it really feel like he's one of the only guys? There's a few other attorneys that are out there, but a lot of NFL media partners aren't going to go near this. It was like the NFL shut the catacombs, as he said. They shut the vault. 
And then they opened up the vault and said, grab about 10 or 11 or 12 of those emails and let's leak one. No, no, they don't get it. Let's leak more. And that's what they did. And that is not fair. And you don't have to be an attorney to understand that. And again, I don't support anything Coach Gruden did. He's out. He lost his job because he lost his job. He made the mistakes. He crossed the line with those emails. But a lot of people want to know what really happened here. What happened and the fact that Mike Florio told you that someone within the NFL said to him that they didn't leak it, quote, unquote. You, if they say that to someone on the street, no big deal. If they say that to Mike Florio and he, he is paused and he takes a step back and goes, what? So you're denying that you leaked it? That means the NFL is categori- categorically denying that someone in the NFL leaked those emails and it's got to be someone else. Well, if it's someone else, look at the world that we live in with hacking. Look at the world that we live in where everybody's paranoid about everything they say. How could someone get information from the NFL that the NFL closed that case with the Washington football team? Someone's lying. Someone's getting caught lying. But the most important part of that interview was when Mike Florio said he doesn't think anything more will come out of it. Even with Mike pushing, they'll push through this news cycle a little bit longer and then everybody will want to move on and go to the next scandal that will happen in the NFL with a player or, God forbid, something happens, and in the news cycle we'll move on. 702-365-9200. Your reaction to that interview, how it affects you as a fan as we move on and get ready for the Denver Broncos. I texted Mike, my producer did, for SiriusXM, Alex Hardy, because he worked with him, and Mike said he'd love to come on. And uh, we booked that earlier in the week, and Mike showed up for that interview and had a lot to say. If you miss any portion of that interview, you can find it on the podcast. 702-365-9200. When we come back, reaction to that. And uh, Mike Pritchard, who played for the Denver Broncos with John Elway. Pritch was a hell of a player, man. He was a hell of a player. Possession receiver, could go over the top, made one of the greatest end zone catches I've ever seen. And just longtime friend of mine, real friend, not radio friend, real friend, Mike Pritchard joining us coming up. Again, I think we're going to – the message I gave to the team today was about the team. If you, we have a team that cares about each other, it's a tough team to beat. And I think it's a good locker room. I think we have veteran leadership. I think we have a really good group of, of young guys. Um, Derek Carr is still going to be an extension of the coaching staff on offense. Him and Ole have a tremendous relationship. Don't forget, Ole coached him way back when he was a rookie, and they, they've kept the relationship going strong before that. And certainly Derek has tremendous command of what we're doing on offense. And it's not like we just got you know Greg Olson off some other – team he's been a part of building this offense and building the vernacular of the offense just like coach cable and edgar and and uh, so on so um again i feel like it'll stay the same way i'm going to rely on a lot of players i'm going to rely on a lot of coaches again i think collective is better than individual and uh, hopefully we'll see that come to fruition that's rich basaccia the new head coach of the raiders jt back with you Coming off our exclusive interview with Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Like to get your reaction to that. Some of it coming in on Twitter, at JT the Brick. Also, you can give us a call at 
800-919-9200. Mike Pritchard in about 15 minutes uh, to wrap up the show. So I got about another 15, 20 minutes to take your calls about everything that Mike Florio said about the potential or not of full transparency by the NFL. I said this last night on my SiriusXM show. I'll say it here. I love the NFL. I'm an NFL fan. I'm an NFL consumer. I'm an NFL season ticket holder for the Raiders. I work for an NFL team. I actually do something that most people don't do. I go to NFL games. A lot of reporters and a lot of people don't go to any games. None. They sit in their man cave. I go to games, and it's a long day. So I love the NFL, and my best memories as a fan and working in the media are all NFL-related. So I want the NFL to do well. You know, I'm not one of these guys who wants to take down the NFL and get DeMora Smith out and get Roger Goodell out at all costs. I've never been that guy. But this story hit home for a couple of reasons. Number one, I know John Gruden. Number two, he's done. He was taken down. And he was taken down for what he did, so he owns it. We knew he would do that. He owned it. He resigned. But what would have happened if he didn't resign? What would have been the pressure like? All of that is open to speculation. I work for Mark Davis. Mark Davis, I have total confidence in, can handle this. And Mark Davis and his staff and the people he talks to, they're going to figure out what's happening next with the NFL. But that being said, so many fans and people have reached out to me privately, basically just saying the Raiders were done dirty, man. Uh, This is not right. We're Raider fans. We don't like this. How did our team, the Raiders, get affected by something that happened with the Washington football team and their culture with their cheerleaders? You know, we have the fabulous, uh, you know, football's fabulous females, the Raiderettes. If you go on the tour of the locker room, you see that. Well, there was some bad actions to the women of the Washington football team when they were the Redskins with their cheerleaders. And all of that leads to an investigation to the owner and the culture of the organization at the time. And the league hires investigators, theirs, and a law firm, and they do this investigation, and it takes a long time. And then they come to a conclusion that the Washington football team was at fault. They did bad things, just like Coach Gruden did bad things. I'll get to that in a minute. But as they're closing that case up and saying we're done, we're going to give Daniel Snyder – a $10 million fine, which is about 100 bucks to him, if you do the math with how many billions he's worth. And we're going to have his wife, his wife, be in charge of the organization, not someone that comes in from the NFL. And then we're going to give him back full power. And then out of all of that, the only emails that are exposed are John Gruden's. You've got to be kidding me. So no matter what you think on this topic, all I wanted to do with that interview with Florio was just talk about the lack of transparency by the NFL on a story that affected the team that I work for, the Las Vegas Raiders. If you put all these pieces together, if you watch CSI Vegas, my buddy's the executive producer of that show, and they put all the pieces together in a crime scene, right? All the pieces, they put them up there digitally on these screens, and you put them all together. Everybody would come into the room and say the same thing. Well, wait, wait a second. How does this affect this team out in Vegas if it was all about that team in the nation's capital? That's what this story is about. Gruden's done. He's not walking into the building in Henderson anymore. Rich Basaccia is the head coach. We all know that, and we know how it happened. But there must be an investigation into the 650,000 emails and how it could affect other teams if it affected the Raiders. Now, nor do I not want to see anything negative come up about 
the Vikings or the Jaguars or the Giants or the Seahawks. But you're telling me there's no one in the, that email chain that could have worked one way and worked somewhere else now? That's what this story now becomes going forward and how other people will be effective. And, look, it'd be really difficult for the NFL, as Mike said. Mike's a really sharp guy. It'd be really tough for the NFL to go, hey, everybody, uh, guess what? Breaking news on SportsCenter. Adam Schefter, you go break the news. Hey, the NFL's going to open up the case and release all the 650,000 emails. We know that's not going to happen, and Mike said it near the end of the interview, that unfortunately nothing will probably come out of it, but, man, we have the right to know. 702-365-9200. Have an opinion on that interview. It was a big one. What Mike had to say, what do you think about it? Chris in Green Valley. Thanks for holding, Chris. Go ahead. Yep. Hey, so what he was saying was on point. And here's the one thing that you cannot do because I'm an IT professional. The metadata that's attached to those emails, you can't scrub that. And if you do, it shows up a different way and it tells you that it was altered. So those emails are tied somewhere and all they have to do is look at the metadata and find out where those emails originated from and who else was involved. But well, if they, but if they don't let anybody do that, if the NFL says we're not going to let anybody look at the emails and we didn't leak it, and they're saying we didn't leak it, that that's the problem. The a legal team has to find a precedent to go in and get access to those emails, or you as an IT guy knows no no one gets to see them and scrub them. Right. Um, there are ways to get to them in a not so legal way, which we won't discuss. But yeah, yeah. I agree with you. If they're not going to release those emails, one that creates a situation for them where they knew about this and they're admitting their guilt right there by saying, oh, we're not going to release the rest of these emails or tell you how we got them or where they came from. They absolutely leaked those emails. Um, then the other point I want to make is all the rats didn't go down with the ship. So eventually they will start to come out. I think this investigation is bigger than just the Raiders. Um, I do think that I don't want to say I'm one of those conspiracy theorists that say the league has it out for the Raiders. Um, it seems like it, but this could have been any team. And then one of the other things I want to touch on real quick, and I heard a lot of people saying this, well, if Derek Carr decides to leave, they should pick up Deshaun Watson. And I'm a fan of the team and not a particular player. Right. Because when you look at it, and I hate to say it this way, but athletes don't care about you. So for people to care about them, okay, that's their prerogative. I'm a team of the fans. But if they pick up, and I've heard a lot of people saying this, y'all should get, they should get Deshaun Watson. If they do that, I will never be a Raider fan again. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to even go down that road right now. Thanks for the call. I'm not Derek Carr is the franchise quarterback going into maybe the most difficult emotional game he's ever played, ever, right, other than coming back from his injury and emotionally what that was like. So I don't want to talk about when Derek leaves and Deshaun Watson. I will say this, if Deshaun Watson clears his name, that's what's so fascinating about this. There are people who are saying on their other media platforms, well, how can John Gruden not get a suspension, not be fired or, excuse me, resign? Why isn't he under suspension for six games to 12 games to a year? Which obviously is a topic for debate. A lot of people believe that the NFL has gone too far and that Gruden should have had a right to apologize find forgiveness, be suspended, not happening. We all, we all know Coach Gruden's out. But when you look around the league, you look at some of these other issues with Deshaun Watson, there are players. Richard Sherman has a big legal issue hanging over his head. He's playing for the world champs. 
Antonio Brown, a bad guy. The way Antonio Brown talked to women, treated women, just like Tyreek Hill, a really bad guy. Fact, not fiction. The court filings, the charges, all there on them, able to play. So that's what's happening with this league. They have a union. Players are protected, innocent until proven guilty. And while you have charges pending, if you're not on the commissioner's exempt list, you can play. You can play in the league, and then after something happens and some, someone figures out what's going to happen with the penalty phase, then the player sits out, doesn't play, and then comes back and has a job again. That's how it works. All right, we're going to have Mike Pritchard join us on the other side. He's ready to go. Reggie in North Las Vegas, let me get you up here quickly. Go ahead, Reggie, what's happening? Real quick, what's going on, JT? I know you real tied in with everything. I really appreciate that you do what you do. The thing about uh, this team situation with the emails, it's going to be one of them things that just goes on and on and on. You may not ever. But it, it made me pause, and I called you on Tuesday. I don't know if I got to say it. Do you think this could be tied in with how some of the other um, exams from Peter started stepping down? We never got to the bottom of that like why was all of that happening yeah i'm not going there i don't know i don't know anything about that and that's the you know mark bedane and other executives who've moved on have stepped down and all that i'm not privy to the information and and what why they left and and that situation uh nor do i you know if, if that's news that becomes public down the road that could be discussed here but that's just speculation on my part i don't think any of that is tied to this and until I know anything more about it. I wouldn't be comfortable talking about it. I was comfortable talking to Mike Florio because he had information, valuable information that everybody needed to hear here. Mike Pritchard, former wide receiver in the NFL, Raider Nation Radio, what he does at VSIN. Michael, join us next and we'll wrap up the show. Brought to us by our great friend Salmon Ash. Go to salmonashlaw.com. It was a lot, you know, to handle. I'll say it that way. <laughs> like, uh, y'all know me, man. I don't, I don't condone that kind of talk. I don't talk that way. My kids sure as heck will never talk that way, you know. And uh, it's hard because I love the man so much. That was Derek Carr yesterday who I thought did an amazing job under really difficult circumstances before he heads out to Mile High to play the Denver Broncos. JT, back with you as we continue. My longtime good friend, former NFL wide receiver, great talk show host now at VEASAN, also Raider Nation Radio, Mike Pritchard joins us. And Mike, thanks for taking some time for us. Let's begin on the resignation of Gruden. We just had Mike Florio on about the NFL not being transparent enough with the 650,000 emails. As a former player, give me your big picture of how you digested what's happened here over the last four or five days. JT, great to be with you. Um, my big picture of this and this entire situation uh, is that fans need to realize that the National Football League is a club. There's, there's a collection of owners and billionaires that have egos. Um, and I, I think when insults get to the level that they did, will they turn, your, will they turn their back on you? I mean, that, that's really how I think people have to look at it. I mean, this is a league that covered up 
uh, head injuries for a long time for the sake of money. Uh, so I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked that they've washed their hands of John Gruden. It's, it's, it's if they're trying to erase his entire existence. Now, again, what he did and what his behavior represented was reprehensible. I mean, it, it's, there's no place for it. I get it. Uh, but how the people with power and the people with influence reacted, obviously they were offended uh, more so that, than anybody else to go to this level to do what they did to John, John Gruden here. And, Mike, if the NFL doesn't, if, if, if they're not fully transparent, if they don't open up all these emails to everyone, we're just going to have to live with it, right? You mentioned they're a club. If they yeah. make that decision at the NFL offices, it's over unless there's legal ramification and, as Mike Florio said, certain ways they can do that. But you would assume the NFL doesn't like bad PR. They're going to want to move on from this now that Gruden resigned. Yeah, you, you know, you, I wonder how far it goes, though, JT, because there's 32 owners, right? And Mark Davis is one of them. Um, and and I, I don't know. I mean, if you're an owner of one of these 32 teams, you're part of the club, wouldn't you want to know? You know, uh, I'm, look, I, I, just, I just had a heart-to-heart discussion or an emotional discussion per reports with a guy I gave a 10-year contract to. Uh, and, and now he's no longer part of my franchise, and I don't know what direction we're going in with my franchise. And, oh, by the way, you do have a, a $2 billion stadium, part of this National Football League, this club, that you know we, we've been a big part of. And certainly the league understands that. So I, I don't know how far they want to take this and how far they want to go with it, JT. Uh, to me, that's up to Mark Davis, to be honest with you. Mike Pritchard joins us. So let's talk about this game here. And what you've seen looking at the Raider film, you really dive deep, and we've talked about Carr's ability to play when the offensive line is stout and healthy with guys like Rodney Hudson when Trent Brown was healthy, Colt Miller playing at a higher level to compare to what he has now, which is a banged-up offensive line with some backups there. And the last couple of games, they're just not clicking offensively. What do you think the Raiders need to be concerned about now as they go to Denver? Well, one of the staples of the offense last year and the reason why they had a lot of success running the football was that inside zone. Uh, they have not established that this year yet. Uh, I think they moved Leatherwood to probably try to get that push and a little quicker uh, body in there to get up on that second level and engage that way, more so than the pass protecting. You can always you know, help a right tackle or a left tackle at times in pass protections, but uh, if you're not getting a push up the middle, uh, certainly you need to tinker with that. And, you know, wide zone's not really part of this offense. So, you know, the thing about it, JT, is John Gruden represented so much what the Raiders were doing offensively. Uh, he, he was a hell of a play caller. I mean, one of the best this league has seen. Uh, he was Sean McVay back before Sean McVay even bursted on the scene. So uh, I think that aspect's going to be missed because John Gruden was very talented that way. Uh, so from a coordination standpoint, I think the Raiders are going to try to get going what they're used to have going for them in a successful manner. But I don't know how they're going to get there. I don't know how or what level the execution is going to be without John Gruden at this point. Mike, I talked to a wife of one of the Raiders alumni who says she's going back to Denver for this game because Mike Shanahan yeah. and Steve Atwater, who you know well, they're going into the ring of honor for the Broncos. I'm like, oh, what a surprise. They're doing it with the Raiders in town. Right. So on top of that, they're bringing out all the legends. Hey, the Raiders brought off their legends, as you know, for Tom Flores in the Miami game, and they got to win whatever you can do, right, to get the crowd into it. Absolutely. Uh, and the Broncos are not – what they used to be either and, and so 
here you go with the Broncos trying to add juice to that stadium by honoring, you know, Mike Shanahan and Steve Atwater. Steve Atwater just went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and, oh, by the way, it's, it's Raider Week, too. So, you know, the rivalry situation is not what it used to be. And I'll tell you this, JT, uh, going up against the Raiders and playing against the Raiders, and I was part of it when Mike Shanahan was the coach out there in Denver, and you're on Monday night, and, you know, I scrapped with James Trapp on the field in a Monday night football game, but uh, it was intense. You know, the thing about the Raiders back then, too, JT, is that they always showed up in a bad way. They always showed up like they got off the bus against the Rams in joint practices. You know what I mean? Uh, and I'm looking for them to do that. Look, we lost our coach. It's us. It's us players in the locker room. Man, let's go to Denver and punch them in the mouth. You know, and that needs to happen. That needs to absolutely happen. And if they can do that, then you start feeling good about your performances. But uh, your back's against the wall, man. I, I that's the thing and that always stood out to me about the Raiders is that they walked into any stadium willing to fight you. And I, I mean within the rules. But but you knew you needed extra air in your helmet and you knew after that game you're gonna have ice packs going with you at home. Mike, no no player, including yourself, and you played for great franchises has ever been put in a situation like these players now, and I think they'll rise to the occasion. They're pros, but how big of a deal is this now? It's been, it'll be a number of days. I interviewed the new head coach early this morning. He seems like he's going to be great at delegating. you got Gus Bradley, Tom Cable with the offensive line, two former head coach coaches, Greg Olson, Johnny Morton, been in the league forever with Carr. So what do you think the Raiders have to worry about with this game plan? You and I discussed running it into the line of scrimmage on second down just to get the third down isn't going to work. Do you think there'll be yeah. more freedom to get Waller going again, trick plays, get this offense going, or are they going to revert back to what the old coach was doing and how that tried to work? I, I think Derek Carr offensively operates from a spread formation. We, we've seen a lot of condensed formations lately, um, and they've worked. You know, you think about the speed element. I think the Raiders are one of the fastest offenses in the National Football League right now. Uh, but, but teams are catching up to that uh, in terms of what they're seeing on tape, and now you're seeing them defend certain things that were open early on. But uh, Derek Carr even covering him in college when he was at Fresno State. Uh, when he had guys isolated or when that field was spread uh, across the field there in terms of spacing, uh, the guy could operate. And so maybe we'll see more of that. Uh, I, I really don't know. <laughs> Uh, we can guess, J- JT, we can speculate what that offense is going to look like. But without Gruden, I don't think we really know. But I do know what Derek Carr is most comfortable with, and uh, certainly the Raiders need to get back to that. Wrapping it up with Mike Pritchard. Mike, this is an important moment for Carr because we've had the discussions on the air about him being elite or not, what it would take for him to do it. Mm-hmm. I think we both agree. He's got to make more plays outside the pocket on scripted plays. Not when the pocket breaks down. Mahomes can do that. Uh, Lamar Jackson's the greatest I've ever seen, including Mike Vick and Steve Young, a Hall of Famer. But I I look at this situation with Carr. Get him outside the pocket. Get him running away from Von Miller. And then have him plant and hit someone dragging across the middle of the field like Renfro, Waller, Ruggs. We've seen it before, but if it's going to be Carr waiting for a pocket to collapse and then hope someone comes to his rescue, I don't see that working the rest of the year. I don't either. I think they need to get to the fact of playing with six eligibles. In today's National Football League, if you can play with six eligibles, including a quarterback, you're dynamic. We just all watched 
Lamar Jackson kind of take over a game uh, against the Colts because you've got the six eligibles. And whether Tom Brady with his arm or Tom Brady with his legs, you know, he's still that other eligible that you think about there on the field. And once Derek Carr gets there consistently, that'll break down defense each and every week, JT. Uh, and we've seen it at times. We've seen what you just mentioned, Derek Carr breaking the pocket or Derek Carr with his eyes manipulating a defense and moving defenders. We've seen all that. Now, consistency is, has not been there at, in, at times, and, and we certainly would want to see it be more consistent. And, and once Derek Carr realizes that, then you, you, I tell you what, I tell you what, JT, this is a, a special season. It really could be for the Raiders. All the goals are still in front of them, man. The defense is improved. We all know that. It's just the consistency offensively. We can get back to what they were doing at the beginning of the year, and the receivers can get open against man-to-man coverage. Certainly we'll see that explosive nature again from this offense. Thanks, Mike. Good to see you. I'll see you around this weekend. Thanks for doing this. Sounds good, JT. Thank you. The great Mike Pritchard. What a great guy he is. A Southern Nevada Sports Hall of Famer. uh, A great high school football legend out here. What a career. What an MVP. National champion with Colorado and his run there and then his great NFL career. And now we're fortunate enough to have him on Raider Nation Radio. Do you know the Strat, Arizona Charlies, the Laughlin Entertainment Center, all of your PTs? They're owned by Golden Entertainment. And Kid Rock is out in Laughlin. Coming up here October 16th, Toby Keith, October 23rd, Dwight Yoakam, November 6th, can't make it, I'll be in the pit, yes, the pit for the Rolling Stones, Darius Rucker on November 13th. Go check out the Laughlin Entertainment Center and see what they're doing there, and go to the Sky High Happy Hour on the 108th floors, the Drinks Lounge on the 108, 108 Drinks, and see what they're doing on the top of the Strat. Big show, Mike Florio. That was an interesting conversation. A lot of good reaction to that. Tell me what you think, at JT the Brick. Uh, tomorrow, I'm coming off the bench to fill in and host the Silver and Black Show at the Raider facility. Also, my conversation with the new head coach, Rich Basaccia, which I thought he did a great job. He's got a lot on his plate. Gave us 10 minutes. I talked about his philosophy, what he wants to do, and how he'll have this team ready. And they need to be ready. they got to be ready for this game. The history... Some of the greatest games I've ever been to have been in Oakland when the Broncos come to town. I mean, some of the most amazing plays. Remember that Dwayne Harris 99-yard punt return? That was in 2018. The Raiders just tweeted that out. The rivalries always meant something. You know, the history of these players and the legends in the Hall of Fame. You go to Canton, Ohio, and you see all the Raider legends that are there and the Broncos as the Broncos are adding more and more players. A lot on the line with this game. And I know the Raider fans need a victory, and we got to get going. So tomorrow we'll do a quick hour. Q will jump on deck, and then we'll be back for a good weekend. Reminder to everyone, come on out and see us Sunday. Eric Allen and myself will be at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Right outside, they set up that beautiful Coors Light mini landing, the cool zone, with these big chairs, cushiony chairs that recline back with the Remy Martin in my hand. Oh, you know I'll be there. Looking forward to that. So that's what we got, everybody. Thanks for listening today. Big show. Bobby did a great job putting it together. Don't know how he threads the needle every day, but he tells me when to be here and what to say and when when everyone's coming on, and we just turn it around. Oh, and Bobby's Red Sox are lying in wait. Can't wait for the game tonight. Cannot wait for the Dodgers and the Giants. I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care about either team, but I know you do. Enjoy the baseball game, everybody. 
and get ready for Raiders football on Sunday. Thanks to all of our proud partners. Have a great day.